This podcast does not constitute financial or investment advice. It is for educational, general information and entertainment purposes only. Please consult with your own financial advisor before making any financial decisions. What about raising girls today? I mean, I think we have to be realistic about when we say we raise our boys and girls equally. Because if we just do the same thing to our boys and our girls, it's not going to change the needle. Because outside of the home, people are telling girls that they're not as good as boys. And so actually, we do perhaps have to do more to support and give our girls that confidence. So absolutely, those lessons that my mother and grandmother taught me, I hope I passed on to my daughters and to my sons the importance of education to open doors for you, the importance of confidence and resilience to help you walk through those doors, because when you go through those doors, it's not plain sailing, and the ability to understand how to make and keep and grow your own financial resources. You're listening to Banking on Girls, the podcast that explores the importance of financial literacy for girls and young women. And I'm your host, Marina Batmuala. Join me on this journey to uncover insights and inspiration. Hi, everyone. My guest today is Lady Cherie Blair, CBEKC, founder of the Cherie Blair Foundation for Women, a leading international human rights lawyer, a passionate campaigner for women's equality, and wife of former British Prime Minister Tony Blair. Cherie studied law at the London School of Economics. She's a King's Counsel and a founding member of Omnia Strategy, a pioneering international law firm that provides strategic counsel to governments, corporates, and private clients. In 2008, Cherie established the Cherie Blair Foundation for Women, which partners with global organizations to support women entrepreneurs in low- and middle-income countries, and has touched hundreds of thousands of lives around the world by aiming to close the economic gender gap through entrepreneurship. Welcome, Cherie. Thank you so much for having me today on this fantastic podcast. I'm delighted to be able to talk to you and through you to so many interesting and successful women. Sheree, women educating and supporting girls and other women has been a theme throughout your life. In your autobiography titled Speaking for Myself, you describe your own childhood being abandoned by your father and brought up by your mother and grandmother. How have their teachings influenced you? Well, there's no doubt at all that they are and remain though both of them are sadly now dead, my biggest influences. And I I was thinking, what did my mum, what were the important lessons that my mum and grandma taught me? And I I thought of three. The first is the education, how important it is. My mother and my grandmother, for different reasons, both left school at the age of 14, and they didn't, though they were both intelligent women themselves, have the educational opportunities that they were determined my sister and I would have. and because they were so passionate about education and they made so many sacrifices so that my sister and I could have that education, from an early age, I realized that education was the key that unlocks a door to so many opportunities. 
But I also realized very early on that even with education, not everybody can walk through that door. I think the second lesson they taught me was the importance of being financially independent and being able to manage and control your own money. That was a big lesson because I was eight when my father left us and he didn't financially support us after that. And my mother, with no formal education herself, had to take very menial jobs at first to be able to support us. And she was lucky enough to find a job in the travel industry where she did manage, because she was intelligent, to progress and go into management. But she spent many long years seeing men coming in beneath her that she trained and then being promoted above her. So that was really the third lesson that she taught me, which was resilience. She didn't give up. She kept going, like so many women around the world. It's that resilience, which is the key, I think, that kept her going in good times and bad. So education, financial independence, and resilience are three of the themes that have helped me through my life and are at the foundation, I think, of what the Sheree Blair Foundation for Women does. You mentioned that education is the key to unlock the door. And that reminds me of a story that my mother told me that her father had told her and her sisters, or words to this effect, that I do not have a fortune to leave you, but my legacy to you is your education. And I realized that I've actually passed this down to the next generation or the third generation of girls in our family now. Let me just add something else. As I'm sure your listeners know, Claudia Golden got the Economics Prize this year, the Nobel Economics Prize. I've often said how lucky I was to be born where I was and when I was, Western Europe, second half of the 20th century. And now reading about her research, I realize it's no coincidence because her research shows that having gone back right to the 18th and 19th centuries, this big change for women actually came in the 1970s when opportunities suddenly opened for them to enter the workforce. Why? Because they had education and secondly, frankly, contraception so that they no longer had the risks, if you like, they could control their fertility. So it wasn't just me who was able to walk through that door that education gave me, but many, many more women did. Of course, what her research also shows is is that despite that, there is still that glass ceiling, which means even in the developed world, women are not achieving economic justice with men, and even more so in low- and middle-income countries. But I digress. (laughs) Right. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot to unpack there. I mean, her research was fascinating. And yes, the World Economic Forum, I think, still shows 150 years before, before women will be. It's worse than that. It's gone. That was 155 they found in 2022 before you got economic parity with men. This year, they just produced the, the latest report. It's gone up to 169 oh, years. Okay. That's not in my lifetime in my children's lifetime, even in my grandchildren, I have eight now, <laughs> lifetime, that is completely unacceptable and it's getting worse, not better. When it comes to entrepreneurship, how are women disadvantaged compared to men? Well, there's so many, many ways. But, you know, the biggest, I think there are two big things that the women we work with and the women, because you, of course, 
have been a mentor in my foundation. You've worked with one of our women entrepreneurs. So you will know, I think, the two biggest things are, firstly, money, money, money. Access to finance is such a huge challenge. It's a challenge for all entrepreneurs, but women accessing finance have it much worse for a plethora of reasons strongly rooted in gender stereotypes and bias. If you look at the figures, 2% of venture capital goes to women-led businesses. Only 20% of commercial finance goes to women-led businesses. I think that is itself due to, firstly, a lack of financial literacy, Women are not necessarily educated in the language of finance and how to get loans. And then the attitude of the male, mainly male finance officers on the other side, who see business as being a man's domain. And, you know, the women we work with are often asked, what does your husband think about that? Or, you know, we can't trust women because they don't know how to manage money. And that means that women miss out. I also think there's a lot of all the products, the financial products, have in their minds a male entrepreneur with his needs. There are less products actually specifically targeting women entrepreneurs. You know, if women entrepreneurs think those products aren't for them, they're less likely to ask for them. It's estimated before the pandemic that women owned about 30% of global businesses, but only 5% of the conventional business loans go to those women. And actually, since the pandemic, it's got worse. It's fallen by half. So now the percentage of conventional business loans going to women-led global businesses is down to 2.5%. This is not an accident. This is due to, on the one hand, lack of knowledge of how to talk the language to get the loan on behalf the side of the women, and on the other hand, these deep-seated assumptions about the role of women in our society. Yes, and some of the initial statistics you mentioned, what is really shocking is they don't just apply to low- and middle-income economies. They apply to countries like the United States. When we talk about 2% of venture capital going to women, honestly, we're not really talking about women in Tanzania or women in Pakistan. We're actually talking about women in America, in Western Europe, Australia, the developed world. So it really does affect every woman wherever she finds herself in the world. Many of your foundation's programs support women entrepreneurs. Clearly, you're very passionate about this, and they support them in building their financial literacy. How do you bridge this? How do your programs support them in building financial literacy? And then how does that then support their economic empowerment? Well, I think that the reality is there's no real magic in financial literacy. It is about knowing how to do it, what the terms mean, and how to use that to display to the lender that you are a a good bet for for finance. So we design, we have specific trainings, whether it's with our Her Venture app, which is designed in bite-sized pieces for women, busy women who don't have time to do long formal study, or our Road to programs, Road to Growth, Road to Finance, and and Road to Leadership, which is a much more targeted program which deals with financial literacy and ends with an ability to pitch to banks for loans. In Nigeria, when we did our Road to Growth program, which is eight weeks, at the end of that, 69% of the women 
applied for loans and 99% of them actually got a loan. So it can be taught. And so this is really, really important. But in addition to that, I did say before there were two things. And the other thing that women lack when it comes to finance is confidence. And so in addition to the programs, which are like the technical skills that we're teaching women, we also have programs that help them build confidence, like the mentoring program that you were part of, where we provide mentoring for a woman entrepreneur from a man or a woman who's prepared to give two hours a month for 12 months to support them on that business journey. And what is clear to us is that the women needs many things, marketing, how to manage the staff, access to markets, but financial literacy, financial loans are so much an important part of that. And our mentors who can help with that make such a huge difference. But confidence, someone saying you can do it, you are entitled to do it, I'm here beside you, makes such a big difference. And they get that from the mentoring. They get that from our programs. When I talked about the road to growth and the road to finance, the women who are on that program call themselves sisterpreneurs because they get to know each other. And mentoring and networking are a very important part of building business relationships. We very much focus on that. And I think the other important matter is that our programs are women-focused. So they deal with the situation that women are in. That not only means that all the examples, like in the Her Venture app, for example, which many women and girls around the world can access, the character, the story that you follow on the mentoring journey is a woman. And for many women, when they do business training, the examples are all male-focused. To have a female-focused example says to women, this is for you. What's interesting is, because the Her Venture app is free, 10% of the people who use that turned out to be men. It seems men have no problem following a course, which is about a woman opening a coffee shop. They don't think that doesn't apply to them. But women often think that a training course that talks about a, a man setting up a construction business cannot be for them. So women-centered programming is so important. And also addressing within that program things like work-life balance, issues of childcare or all-caring commitments. We also embrace that and talk about that, which you don't necessarily find in a standard business training program, but which is so vital for women because we have to address women where they are. And these are issues that women encounter in their lives. So how can people access the Her Venture app? The Her Venture app is available in specific countries that we work in. So, for example, well, it's in Indonesia, it's in Vietnam, it's in Kenya, it's in South Africa, it's in Nigeria. Recently, we introduced it in the last two years into Guyana. Guyana's in the Caribbean, South America. Two years ago, they discovered oil. We went in with our programs to ensure that women were equipped to take advantage of the money that was going to come into the country. At the moment, it's getting between 20 and 40% growth in its GDP per year. And the Her Venture app there is now accessed by one in 20 women entrepreneurs. They can download it from the internet. And in fact, it can be downloaded, the whole content can be downloaded in one go. And then you can play, play it offline after that. Or if you're online, you can then make contact with other people who are on the program. 
as well. So it is available on the App Store in English. As you mentioned, I had the privilege of participating as a mentor to actually a young woman in Argentina through your mentoring program, and that was right in the middle of COVID. It was in 2020. And at that point, so many people had to suddenly pivot their business models to adapt to that new environment. But by the end of the year, when we had had a chance to reflect, it just turned out to be an incredibly rewarding experience for both of us. And, you know, of course, I was able to help with her with some, you know, financial things and planning and, and that kind of mentoring. But I also learned a lot from her. She had so much entrepreneurial flair herself. You must hear a lot of stories of women who the foundation has supported. Did, did any particularly stand out to you? I absolutely love the mentoring program. We started it in 2010 partly because I realized there were so many people in the world who wanted to help and who wanted not just to give money, but to have a personal connection. And what is clear is you're a testament to that yourself, is that personal relationship that builds up and that sharing of actually going on a journey together is of mutual benefit and makes such a difference. I love those stories. One of our mentees described her mentor as my invisible friend who walks beside me on my business journey. The mentoring program is also accredited. So you actually end up, you probably got one, a certificate, which is Mm -hmm. a validated certificate that says you have, you're a gold accredited mentor, which is amazing. It was so important during COVID, as you said, because suddenly so many women businesses, which involve face-to-face, had to pivot into whatever they could do to use the resilience to survive. And having that support and brainstorming from the mentoring made absolutely such a difference. But it continues to make a difference. And as you yourself said, financial know-how makes such a difference. I recently came across Celia Durham, who actually runs a green manufacturing business in Honduras and As you can see, our mentors, mentees and mentors come from all over the world. In fact, we're in over 100 countries. She was paired with one of the managing directors at the Bank of America, who have been a longstanding supporter of the mentoring platform and provide 100 mentors a year to our women. And as a result of that, by the end of the relationship, she'd increased her sales by 18% and her revenue by 33%. Which, of course, is even more important. That enabled her to have two new employees, and she then mentored them because one of the things we find from the mentoring program is how much the women who are mentored give forward by mentoring others themselves. But I think that difference in her sales and revenue, 18% sales but 33% revenue, is, is very important. When I was in Guyana, I met another woman who said to me, before the program, I was busy, but now I make a business. And for so many women entrepreneurs, they think the answer to grow their business, all they do is to do more of whatever it is they do, often working themselves tirelessly and into the ground. But in fact, if you're not pricing your product right, if you've not got the right product, if you're not getting the best deals on your inputs and outputs, working harder and making more just actually doesn't move the needle at all so in this case and in many cases by teaching women these other skills you stop them being just busy and help them actually have a profitable business 
the mentoring program, we recruit for that twice a year. And our next recruitment will open in March 2024, when we'll be doing our matching then. If you go to our website, www.shreeblairfoundation.org forward slash mentoring, the program is there and the application form is there. We train you as a mentor. You'll get an accreditation for that. We assess what your skills are and then we match you with a woman whose needs match your skills. And as you said, by transforming and helping another woman make her business better, you also learn so much about yourself. And so many women have a friend for life in their mentee. Yes, that was so profound. Going from being busy to being in a business, that was quite a profound observation. It was. I told her, I said, that is so true. And I promise you, I'm going to quote you Yeah. <laughs> about that. So that's how people interested in being mentors can get involved. And how about people who wish to be mentees or be mentored? Now, as far as those who want to be mentees, we don't just take people off the street to be mentees. We work with local organisations who are providing business training services to women or networks of women entrepreneurs. And we offer to them the service of this 12-month mentoring relationship. So mentees are nominated to come onto the platform and then we try and match them with the mentors. We work mainly in low and middle income countries and therefore our mentees come from, as you say, Honduras or Tanzania or Indonesia, sometimes the Balkans, around the world. But we don't offer mentoring services, mentoring services to women in the United States at the moment. Right. But what we do do is offer the opportunity to be mentors. Right, which is what we just talked about, which is really a fantastic thing to do. Finally, Sheree, what advice do you have for people raising girls in today's world? Well, of course, I have a daughter myself who actually did follow me into the law, and she's a, a barrister herself. In fact, uh, she has two small boys at the moment and is doing an amazing job. And I now have three granddaughters. Mind you, I have three sons and five grandsons, so I've got more boys than girls. What about raising girls today? I mean, I think we have to be realistic about when we say we raise our boys and girls equally. Because if we just do the same thing to our boys and our girls, it's not going to change the needle. Because outside of the home, people are telling girls that they're not as good as boys. And so actually, we do perhaps have to do more to support and give our girls that confidence. So absolutely, those lessons that my mother and grandmother taught me, I hope I passed on to my daughters and to my sons the importance of education to open doors for you, the importance of confidence and resilience to help you walk through those doors, because when you go through those doors, it's not plain sailing, and the ability to understand how to make and keep and grow your own financial resources so that whatever happens to you in the world, you are not left suddenly without the means to carry on. And I think the final thing I would say as a mother of many boys is so important the way we raise our boys to be the sort of partners we would want our daughters to have. One advice that I often give is 
marry well because the person as a woman that you choose to be your life partner is crucial to your happiness and your development. Very wise words. Sheree, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure and I very much enjoyed talking to you and through you to all the people who listen to this podcast. And I do hope some of them will follow your example, think about becoming a mentor or think about making a donation to the foundation or to get your firm or your company to do so, so that we can make sure that that figure of taking 169 years before women and men have economic parity is changed around and that we can actually smash that so much quicker because it's not good enough and we have to do more. For my part, we have pledged in the foundation with our new campaign that we want to reach a million women by 2030 in order to boost that drive for economic justice for women. Cherie Blair, it's been an honour and pleasure to have you on this podcast. Thank you for listening to the Banking on Goals podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate the podcast and be sure to hit subscribe or follow so you can receive notifications of new episodes. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at bankingongoals.com.